This is the voice of Carnage, and you are listening to Carnage Cast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Carnage Cast. I'm Tyler, and with us this week is Sarah. Hi, how are you? Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Haven't been board gaming in a while, but I'm having a good time down here. Yes, you are uh, one of the more southerly New Englanders these days. Yes, I de- I'm I'm from the south of New England. <laughs> uh, it's okay, you can still hang out, hang out with uh, <laughs> we northerners. Oh, thanks. So, recently you went to the Unity Games Day, right? I did. My first time, uh, it was delightful. It was just wonderful. It was a... a perfect amount of time for gaming and because it was only one day I didn't feel like I needed to pace myself or you know go to sleep on time like I do do at Carnage. You don't have to keep yourself to a schedule because Unity is this one day event that's put on by uh, sort of loose confederation of game groups in the Boston area. Yeah and it, it was awesome. I made some good connections for people to play games with down here and uh, it was all around a good time. Sort of paint the picture. What does a Unity look like? It's just, it was this particular Unity. I haven't been to previous ones, but this one was one giant room um, just full of people holding up games and uh, starting pickup games and squashing into tables together. It was, it was very friendly, but a lot of people, way more people than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. So it's like a it's a big hotel ballroom kind of situation. Yeah, I think it was actually th- three ballrooms that they uh, took the walls or you know kind of backed the walls up from, and and combined them all together. So it was it was a very large area. Well, when you walked in, what was what, what were people playing? What were they doing? Throughout throughout the day, I saw a lot of that Mayan game. What's the name of that? Vulcan. Um, yeah, yeah, that one. Um, that was sort of the game of the day. Uh, and I, I didn't play it actually, but, uh, it, it looked interesting and everybody else seemed to be playing it. Mm -hmm. So as, as a newcomer to this kind of situation, how did you get into the mix? Oh, I started a pickup game. You started a pickup game? Yeah. What'd you do? Uh, first sparks, power grid, colon, first sparks. (laughs) Colon, game for boards. (laughs) Yes, for boards. Um, now, this actually was my own copy of Power Grid for Sparks. I learned it at Carnage uh, from Carlo, and I fell in love with it, and I bought myself a copy. And I've played it a couple times, um, once with uh, a, a friend from down here who was actually originally a friend from up in Vermont as well. Uh, and then the second or third time was at Unity, so it was... Um, that was a good pickup game because I didn't really know it that well myself. <laughs> what is First Sparks about? It is, well, if you know Power Grid, which I describe as pure competitive accounting, um, First Sparks is distilling it down from sort of the advanced civilization that is Power Grid. Uh, and so it's distilling it back to Stone Age for lack of a better phrase, where instead of dealing with money and electricity, you're uh, tribes and you are feeding yourself with various kinds of food. And the technology aspect is the way that you get the food. So you might have a basket or you might have a better basket that has more berries or 
a spear or a better spear. You know, it it's sort of it it's it's very sim the, the dynamics are very similar to Power Grid, but it's uh, quicker, a which is good, and a, a different theme. And I just really like it. Mm -hmm. So it's competitive in counting before counting was invented. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And with I'll the want steak. <laughs> and with the uh, you feed your tribe with a reg regimented regularity that could never have been found in hunter gatherer societies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So how how did the game go then? How did it go? I actually I don't well I don't remember who won. You beat the um, pants off them. I hope so. <laughs> I don't really remember, uh, but I. I remember liking it at the end again, which is a good sign. When you've only played it a couple times, you want to end it feeling good every time. Mm -hmm. And you, you, you sort of new to teaching people games. How did this session go? This went okay. I've taught games at Carnage before, but very prepared. You know, I write up my own version of the rules so that I have kind of a script, and so this. It it went pretty well. I still use the the rule book as a as a guide, so I think it goes takes a little bit longer than it might if I knew the game better. Uh, but I think it went well enough. I mean, people seem to get it. Mm -hmm. Nobody threw anything at me. So did they hide pieces from you? They did, and somebody kept eating them. <laughs> that was you. It, well, that was me. <laughs> I thought it was really mammoth meat. <laughs> Very realistic pieces, a wooden cube. Yes. <laughs> so after First Sparks, what did you play? I played a another pickup game, um, but I did not teach this one. This one was a um, fascinating old German game uh, about manage, stage managing. So I think it probably was just called Stage Manager, but I I couldn't find it online. It when and when I say old, I mean the currency was Deutschmarks, and you know it was. Whoever owned it had kept it in good condition, but it it was definitely an antique in the world of board games currently. It was like uh, an was, avocado and tan color scheme. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> it was it was good. I enjoyed it. It was quick. It was a little four or five minute kind of bidding game. I don't. It was hard to describe. It was sort of like bidding or round robin, uh, in that you picked up your actors and you put them together to put on these different plays. But then there was also this element of jockeying for position and you could borrow money from the plays that you'd put on and you would be each play, each different uh, person playing the game put on the same four plays. So you would be ranked against each other as to how much money each play production made mm -hmm. uh and it i liked it there's probably a, a new version of it in english somewhere that or possibly even redone in a different theme i liked it though it's good mm -hmm. so you're putting these actors together all the actors are different or is like people pulling from a pool of similar actors a, a pool of actors where if not all unique, at least mostly unique. And so each actor can pull in different amounts of money for your production. So maybe you get um, one star who is very specialized to playing Hamlet. And 
maybe you have a couple local actors who don't pull in quite as much money, but they're very versatile, so they can play any of the roles. That that's sort of the idea behind these. You pick up these cards, and each card is an actor, and and that's how you assemble your company. Mm -hmm. And do can you know members of the different companies interact? Like one person doesn't get on with somebody else. No, that would be interesting though. Um, they you got more money if they were better suited to to the different productions but you could put a production on with any actor so is it In, a situation where one player might get shut out and get no appropriate actors it's certainly possible i think it would be it would be unlikely for that to happen it, it seems pretty well balanced and i think would be a good an appropriate game for a younger audience because it seemed so unlikely that y that you could lose s so horribly, essentially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so in the luck skill spectrum, where does this fall? The luck skill spectrum, what is that? The luck skill spectrum is where is winning mostly due to the way the cards fell or the cards or the choices that you made or the winner made. Oh, um... If that's a scale of 1 to 10, where 1 is all luck, I'm going to say like a 4. So it's pretty much... It's mostly luck. You have to be you have to be aware of when to wait for the right actors and when to rearrange your actors. But because the basic dynamic of the game is picking up cards that are dealt at random, mm -hmm. it's... It, sort of it's mostly luck <laughs> so you do have to know when to hold them you have to know when to hold them but no folding no folding no it's just a one-step operation yep <laughs> just gotta know when to hold them <laughs> excellent uh what'd you play after that after that i think i might have had lunch um the greatest game of all the greatest game of all i watched a couple games there was an, a new civilization like game um i'm not positive on the name it could have been clash of cultures not not quite sure but it was a sort of the dynamic where you're both exploring the world and building up knowledge and fighting with your armies and you know building cities that that sort of sort of thing it looked interesting tensions were medium <laughs> Was it the the tensions of people who know that they're about to be backstabbed by their friend, or are actually watching it happen? <laughs> so stressful. I can imagine you you must have torn your sandwich in two. Yes. <laughs> so after you had your lunch break observation period, I then moved on to a game called Hansa Teutonica, which, as Board Game Geek tells me, was uh, published in two thousand nine. It's, it was interesting. I, I had some criticism of its end game, but it, the, the actual dynamics of it were, were really good. I really liked it. You sort of, you're controlling cities or taking, you know, taking your place in a city and I don't know, it's hard, it's hard to, to summarize it, but it's, it's a bit like resource, a little bit of resource management, but more worker placement, um, it was it was really it was just really interesting. The end game was frustrating because it uh you know in a game like um Ticket to Ride, you 
there's a an end game trigger and then you have a, a sort of wrap up period where you get to make you know one last ditch effort or or action or thought um, whereas in Hansa Teutonica the end game trigger felt like it should you should have a wrap up period but there was no wrap up period so it wasn't it wasn't a clear cut, you know, you take, everybody takes seven turns and then the game's over. It was one of three or four ending conditions. And then it just sort of, it just sort of, and I don't, it, it felt, it felt odd. I would like to play it again to see if that, if that was really the way I feel about it, or if it was just the first time I played it. Mm-hmm. So it's the sort of thing where there's four, three or four different gauges you have to be watching to know if the game's about to end. Yeah, exactly. So part, I mean, partly I just wasn't aware it was going to end because I didn't know the game very well. Um, The particular trigger was uh, a player got a certain number of points. And I think the the speed at which points were increasing, I felt like it wasn't going to happen very soon. And then all of a sudden, you know, and then it just, and then it just ends. Someone just broke away. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So backing up for a step, what's the the concept of Hansa Teutonica? Because I know how much you love the theme of a game. Oh, themes are my favorite. Um, I guess the theme is city building? Question mark. You're you, <laughs> so you're <laughs> cities of questionable intent. Is that what it is? Yeah, it's it's, it's set in in Germany because they're the names of of different cities that you go to, uh-huh. and you're you're networking your offices you're controlling cities you're i I don't really know what the theme is actually i'm not sure moving cubes around to turn them into other kinds of cubes no just just the first part only moving cubes around oh golly yeah how do you not convert cubes you just buy more of the same um you start with a pool of the little cubes that you put on cities to indicate that you are controlling them um and you it it's like a three steps forward two steps back situation so you claim routes between cities with these little cubes Mm -hmm. and then that route goes away and you and then you put one cube on the city that you connected to okay so you you know you spend a lot of time spending your actions to get the cubes out on the board but ultimately only a third let's say a third of your cubes ends up out on the board so it's yeah i'm not really sure what to call that I call it perplexing. Yeah, I felt like it was a worker placement game, but when I'm describing it like that, it's maybe not totally like a worker placement game. It, everyone, you, everyone should check it out. Yeah, it sounds like you. It's something you would go back to. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. So, where did that take you in the day? Um, I think that might have been a little after lunch. I I feel like I must have played a couple other smaller pickup games, but I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suppose that's why I should keep a game log, but oh well. Hey, glogs are the next big uh, social media innovation. Glogs? Uh, Glogs. (laughs) Um, And then in the afternoon, I I learned Stone Age. Rod taught us Stone Age. And I really, really liked Stone Age. We didn't actually get to finish it, Mm -hmm. um, but I will definitely play that again. And Stone Age is a, a much more... Um, much more clearly in the worker placement game arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it f- it 
feels like a dominant species, except less long, A, less long, and B, less uh, convoluted. You have a few less player, a few less people to put out, um, a few less options. So in worker placement, that's where, you know, you have, you sort of choose actions by placing your tokens there, which represent people doing tasks. Right, exactly. So you go, you go around the the group putting putting your your little workers out, and then once everybody has their workers placed, hence worker placement, uh, then you go through and execute the actions that you chose, mm-hmm. like you know collecting in this particular game, collecting food, getting the standard resources of clay, wood, stone, and gold. Well, gold is is critical in a Neolithic lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, you gotta have that gold. It's so delicious. Um, and a couple other things that were um, you could like purchase cards that would give you bonuses or extra points. You know that that kind of thing. It sounds a lot like first sparks in that you your your group of people is is doing going through their their necessary tasks to subsist. Yeah, it is, they are similarly themed, yeah. Um, you, they could be companion games. You could have a, a themed day of Neolithic. You could have Stone Age, First Sparks. Um, I think there's a Catan universe game called Settlers of the Stone Age. That which, seems highly probable. Yeah. Also Carcassonne, Hunters and Gatherers. If you yeah, you could, have a, you could have a whole theme. Let's now, do this. Absolutely, any day. <laughs> But uh, what what itches is Stone Age scratching that First Sparks isn't, or, or vice versa? Hmm, that's a good question. I guess they're. I think First Sparks is a little more pure in a sense that you your main focus is getting food, and your secondary focus is getting better technology to get more food. So it's it's still always on feeding your tribe and expanding your tribe. Uh, the the Stone Age game, I believe you have the same number of tribe members the whole game. So it's not that you're trying to expand your tribe, but that you're trying to build a better village for mm-hmm. your tribe. So you certainly have to feed your tribe, but you also have to have these resources so that you can build things um, like canoes and houses so there is the stone age has some more of that economic engine construction you, in it you're, you're not physically building this the city or the village but you're uh you're building the village in the sense that you're building up points i guess would be a better way of okay so phrasing it's, it. it's not like you're expanding capacity to create victory points you're just amassing a pile using the same mechanisms throughout Essentially, yeah. Some of, some of the cards would seem to do um, to multiply other victory points that you had, but I you probably would have to know the game pretty well to know what was coming up and what what would be good to invest in. Uh, if you had to choose and only play one of the following for the rest of your life, you can't have access to the other ones: Stone Age or First Sparks. Okay. Which do you choose? You can't even watch people play the other one. It's horrifying. Uh, probably Stone Age, I think. Really? Yeah. yeah. At, speaking as a First Sparks owner. Speaking as a First Sparks owner. Yeah. All right. Can I eat the game pieces from First Sparks? <laughs> you can do whatever you that, want to those okay, pieces. Okay. Okay. 
Um, and I, th I think that's kind of it. Um, I, like I said, I know there must have been other games in between, but I just didn't, I didn't remember them. Or they must have been games I already knew. Um, although we, we did take like a two-hour break to have dinner, which was was great. Part part of why Unity was so much fun was that it was good to see all the people I see at Carnage. That you that's been a once a year experience essentially once a year experience but it was fun to to catch up with people in a different venue mm -hmm. it was good yeah they came to you yeah <laughs> it's true i didn't have to drive very far mm -hmm. so stone age took you through the end of the night yeah i i really i did i really liked that and yeah i must have played something else later but um at that point in the night it's kind of like meh whatever yeah <laughs> and then we played how to get home <laughs> So it sounds like you had a good weekend. A good day, I should say. It was just the one. Yeah, but it, it felt like it really filled up the weekend. You know, that, you know, Friday night, you are you go to bed early so that you can get up early to play games. And then Sunday, you're recovering. And mm. it was it was good. I think I, I'll, I'll probably do a similar thing for PAX East coming up, uh, where I, I only purchased a Saturday ticket. Um, partly because I could only purchase a Saturday ticket. The three-day pass is sold out. But I, I think that'll be the correct amount of gaming for me. Mm -hmm. uh, what did you take away from Unity that you want to do or play in the future? Um, that's a good question. Like you mentioned earlier, getting some leads on game groups. Are you are you ready to sort of enter the Boston gaming scene, or are you going to stick with your game days and conventions? Um, probably game days and conventions will be my gaming bread and butter, but... Uh, there have been a couple other things that have cropped up here and, you know, um, like meetup groups or that, that kind of thing that will be a good, a good venue to have here. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And any games in particular that you want to pick up or make a point to play again soon? I do. I actually, I want to try Hansa Teutonica again, definitely. And I, I definitely want to play Stone Age again that I, I really liked it, but I didn't, we didn't finish it. So it's possible I'll have a similar end game critique yeah. That you know, one one never knows. I picked up uh they had a, a fundraiser for the uh Greater Boston Food Bank. Um and I picked up the uh Nordic countries edition of Ticket to Ride for for that part of the fundraising, um in their silent auction and I'm I'm excited to play that. It's it's odd. It only plays two or three players, so it's a non-typical Ticket to Ride game. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, I kind of find that appealing about it in that it's for the nights uh, when, you know, it's just you and two or one or two other people. Yeah, and you know it's something, well, it's not quick, certainly, but something designed for a smaller group, so you know it's going to play right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it sounds like Unity was pretty much a complete success for you. A complete success. I was sold. I will definitely be there next year. Um, yeah. So it sounds like you were playing a lot of, you know, tried and trusted games at Unity as opposed to the, the new hotness from Essen, as they like to say, on the Board Game Geeks. I find that I'm at a place right now where I want to play the games that I know I love because I so rarely get to play them now mm. that, you know, I am a devotee of Uwe Rosenberg, but I 
don't get to play his games very much that I love Agricola and I say it's my favorite game and it probably is my favorite game, but I haven't, I haven't played it in at least a year now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, for, for next carnage, actually, I'm planning on uh, running a couple sort of advanced levels of these games where I'll book myself into one of the spots and I'll give a refresher, but that um, I you know, making sure that I, I know I get to play these games that I love. Mm-hmm. And you will be shooting to kill. Oh, yes, yes. Because, <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what, one thing that I've noted, I, I think, maybe, you, you, tell me what you think about this. Is part of it uh, that there are certain games that you develop a level of skill and facility with where you can feel like you know this game and you can compete in the game as opposed to always learning the newest thing? Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, that I, you find that you want to take it to the next level. The next time you play, you think, oh, I made a mistake here. I should have, you know, I should have put sheep in instead of wild goats and, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of, that you, you realize where you can refine your, your strategy. And so the next time you have the opportunity to play something, you want to refine it. You want to play that game again. Whereas at unity there were a lot of new things to me and so i i enjoyed the games but i found that i was a little overwhelmed you know you spend all your time trying to understand rules and trying to get things straight and it for me at least i like to to sprinkle in some some oldies but goodies or some you know your favorite movies Mm -hmm. along with the new stuff yeah, because you can still enjoy what you enjoyed about them, but then you're finding new things to enjoy in different ways. Yeah, exactly. Well, Sarah, thank you for this on-the-ground report from Unity Games. Sounds like it is a rousing good game for people who like to place cubes and receive economic uh, benefits therefrom. <laughs> yes, I would strongly encourage anybody to go to Unity who liked any of those words. <laughs> <laughs> also, optimal strategy, uh, brain yep, burner... Uh- <laughs> Optimal. Placement. Cubes. (laughs) Wooden bits. Rondel. (laughs) All right, thanks for coming on the show, Sarah. You're welcome. You've been listening to Carnage Cast, a production of NNEG LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at www.carnagecon.com.